is the Beyond the Profi podcast, the podcast that empowers you and inspires you to seek career excellence while pursuing your passion. And I'm your host, Jasmine Haley. Welcome to the Beyond the Profi podcast. I'm excited to interview a fellow career fusionista and have the opportunity to introduce her to all of you. I think uh, from learning from her experience, um, learning about the work that she does with the cancer population, those who are living with that diagnosis, I think you're definitely going to feel inspired and empowered um, in this episode. And hopefully it will give you the motivation to reach for the stars in your professional career. So I would love to welcome Chris Potts. Thank you so much, Chris, for coming on to the show today. Thank you, Jasmine. I appreciate the invitation and the opportunity to share what uh, I have you know, gained over uh, I don't know, we won't say how many years in the profession. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just leave it at a long time. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I I have learned so much in the connections that I've made through this podcast and um, with with Mom Jenis connecting with so many wonderful professionals, and I had the opportunity to um, get to know you just a bit at Career Fusion last year in 2017. Um, I had heard about a little bit of what you've done on LinkedIn. I know I had reached out to you and told you about some of my interests and stuff like that um, on LinkedIn. So I think it's pretty incredible what you have done with your career. And so just tell me a little bit or tell the listeners a little bit of how you got into working with um, the cancer population. Like, why is that a passion of yours? Well, in 2005, I lost my best friend of 35 years to metastatic breast cancer. And seeing what she went through, uh, through her treatment and, uh, you know, through her end of life care, as a hygienist, she, you know, there were a lot of oral complications. I couldn't do anything to change the cancer diagnosis, but as a hygienist, I felt like I I could be doing more and I should be doing more Mm -hmm. to help her. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, like many others, you know, most people have been touched uh, in their lives by somebody with a cancer diagnosis. And it goes beyond oral cancer. It's any kind of cancer, and it's not something that we're not necessarily comfortable discussing, but we have patients in our chair every single day that uh, have lived through that diagnosis, have lost someone to that diagnosis, mm-hmm. or are a caregiver. And we are in a unique position to make a difference, at least with their oral care aspect of that journey. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, you've taken a personal experience of a loved one and and molded it also with your career as a dental hygienist. Would you say that transition was easy going from um, trying to I guess I don't I don't know. You know, when we go through dental hygiene school, we're focused on like preventative care, preventative care. You know, we don't really get a chance to expose ourselves to other realms of preventative care. So was there a transitional period for you on um, working with that population and finding a way to service them in the way that you are right now? Not necessarily. Uh, It was kind of born uh, 
from the experience and the passion. And I felt led mm-hmm. to uh, combine my expertise, my education, and to do some further research on my own. I went through a course through Southern Indiana University uh, as an uh, for oncology certification with nurses uh, that that is their specialty for uh, oncology nursing and gave me a lot of insight and realized how unaddressed the oral needs of the oncology patients are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The oncologists are are brilliant. They are exceptional. They are excellent at what they do. And the nurses in that specialty are very caring, compassionate people, but they don't know anything about mm-hmm. the And this is where I, I feel I can help them better help their patients. Mm-hmm. and making suggestions for things, uh, they're going to go through a hard time. So if there's anything that we can do to uh, prevent some of the complications from happening or at least mitigate the severity of them, then uh, we should be doing that. All right. So just thinking about what, what, you've, what you're do- doing and, and how you're providing that, you know, you are a speaker and you have your own business. So I'm curious, and especially the listeners are curious, especially clinical hygienists that, you know, are just, just want more. I just received an email from a hygienist that, you know, they've been in dentistry for 15 years and um, they started off as a dental assistant and for 13 years they've been like a hygienist, something around there. Um, definitely over 10 years of, of providing care and dentistry and she's just feeling, you know, stuck. So what really, what allowed you or what tools did you use to really branch out as a speaker and work in this in this form to support this population? I think that it was a natural progression because we are all educators uh, in the chair to our patients every day. And it was uh, a natural progression to go uh, that route. Had to get over some uh, nervousness, Fear of public speaking, things like that. I still get nervous mm-hmm. before I do a presentation. The resources that have been made available to me through uh, different aspects of my career, I went from clinical into an educational role with CLEAR mm-hmm. about seven years ago mm-hmm. and learned so much and was exposed to so much, had opportunities to meet and learn more. And I think all of that experience was invaluable to me to go on to the next step and branch out on my own with my passion topic on the treatment for the oncology patient. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that you've, you've, you've used the term um, journey. I believe you use that term journey. Um, yes, so, many, so many people feel and don't even realize that in, in your professional journey, each experience is like a little, is a tool in your toolbox. 
And sometimes you just have to pause for a little bit to gather from that. So you were in clinical hygiene. You've had experience with corporate. You are a speaker. And you're serving a population that um, really needs advocates for them truly needs advocates because the medical professionals, they're busy on their doing their own things that they're experts in. And dental hygiene needs to have a, a presence with that. So I just love the fact that um, you mentioned it's a journey and something that I was listening to today. I like to listen to motivational um, speeches every single morning I do. And this one was about the fact that some people sell you a dream or a goal or, or whatever it is that you want to accomplish. And they tell you, oh, I'll give it to you. You take this course and you're going to have it all together in two weeks. And our society is quick results for everything. And I love the fact that you say that it's a journey. Everything takes time. Everything takes time. And you have to be patient, patient with that. But also look at the different things that you've learned in your journey to really pull in and create something that or even use that to cause you to be creative and innovative for some something someone else's, um, I don't know, business or such. But I really appreciate that point. And that's very true, Jasmine, because the everything builds on each other. Uh, even if, if you are still in clinical and you're working in a not so great office, that is something to build on. The next step in your journey, you you build on, you learn what not to do, what you don't want, how to avoid certain pitfalls. And each step, I didn't start out to want to leave clinical dentistry. That mm-hmm. just kind of happened. Again, a passion and a calling. You feel led towards something. And you need to learn to listen to your gut with a lot of that. But things fall into place. Sometimes they, they don't. Sometimes it's a struggle. and But you do learn from the struggles, the challenges, the obstacles that are placed in your path. Mm-hmm. And build upon each experience, each thing, each event that I attended, each person that I connected with. I feel like I learned something from them, even Mm -hmm. if it was that I don't want to be like that. (laughs) Exactly. That's the truth. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) But you do learn from each person that you encountered, even the, the, the patients that we encounter in our chairs that are a pain in the neck. Mm-hmm. You know, we can learn something from them. And sometimes they're carrying around some baggage that we're totally unaware of. So it helps you to put yourself in their shoes a little bit and think about where they're coming from. And I, I go into that quite a bit in my uh, courses on the cancer uh, prehabilitation because most of the time if a patient tells us that, oh, I've just been diagnosed with liver cancer, we you know, pat them on the arm and say, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the extent of where we go. We don't understand their journey that they have either just been through or will be going through. There's a lot of emotional aspects that will manifest themselves when they come and sit in the chair. So it's not just oral cavity aspects, it's emotional, mental aspects. And the compassion, uh, we are in a position to make a difference 
Mm -hmm. uh, when we touch their lives. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And we, and we lose that, you know, I, one of the things I talk a lot about with, um, with the students every second that I, I can, um, not, not saying that they're actually listening because you know when you're their instructor they could care less sometimes about what you have to say um someone else you know that is a complete stranger may say the same thing they're like oh it's so profound and i'm like haven't i been telling you this the whole time but yeah um we have to focus on making that difference and when you feel like you have had enough, you're about to quit, that's a time to start reevaluating your why. Um, because, you know, you know how it is when you're in clinical practice and, and you're coming into work three to four days a week or maybe even five, week, five days a week. I've heard of some hygienists that are working six days a week, which is absolutely, um, it was insane for me. So, just physically dealing with that. Um, and you you go there and you're just, you get like, oh, the monotony of here's the next patient and the next patient and any change in your medical history and moving on and, you know, whatever. And they're dealing with that. And then yet they're not, they're not taking any CE classes to enhance their education or they're not trying any new different treatment plans or um, incorporating new technology or even looking to reach and connect with patients like you mentioned that are dealing with, with cancer, um, really trying to connect on a deeper level with them to really assist them. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we're, we're, losing, we're losing time. Our time is getting cut short quite a bit, you know, in, in hygiene, there's just so many things that, you know, we have to work on in dentistry as a whole, but we can't and forget about attitude, ourselves. The attitude of many dental employers uh, as well, they don't see the value. They are into their production numbers and the time factor and don't necessarily make the connection that spending a few more minutes with that patient in a compassionate, understanding, uh, detective mode mm -hmm. with them in the long run, the resulting word of mouth referrals that they have, the gratitude of those patients translates into new patients and more productivity than if you just said, we don't have time for that. Mm -hmm. And I think that holds true with an oral abnormality screening as well. That's the number one factor that most uh, dentists cite is why they don't perform an oral abnormality screening at each and every appointment. Mm. And they don't see the value in that. And they, oh, most of them are, are not anything to worry about anyway and all that. But for the one patient that you find an abnormality that turns out to be something serious, mm -hmm. that time makes all the difference in the world. And down the line, that's going to translate into higher visibility and productivity for your practice. And I think a lot of dental employers uh, can lose sight of that. And as hygienists, we do too. As you said, we get caught up in the day-to-day -day next patient. Okay, x-rays on this one. Okay, no x-rays on this one. We need to probe today. Uh, there's a lot of that that goes on, and it can beat you down. 
Mm-hmm. But when we take that opportunity, the that's the best feeling in the world when you know and see and feel that you have made a difference for that person. Mm-hmm. And even if it's one person that day, that right. justifies getting up and going to work and putting up with the front office drama, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. <laughs> All that. Yeah. And then you can, you know, we, we save, we can save a life. You know, I remember there was a patient that came in and he was such a great guy. I love talking to him and we were just talking and um, I always, I don't care if I have 30 minutes, I'm doing an extra oral exam and an intraoral exam. If that means I've got to whip out that ultrasonic, <laughs> you know, and um, not be able to spend as long of a time as I would like to with um, other aspects of the treatment, like talking more as I'm as I'm working with them. I always do that intraoral and extraoral exam, and it just so happened that this particular patient who I had seen for for some time had a lesion on his lips that, and I asked him. Hey, you know, how long has this been here? I had been there for um, over two weeks. I said, well, you need to get this checked out. And had I not been looking at him the way that I was looking at him, it, w- it could have been assumed that it was like a chap lip. He went to the oral surgeon, had it, I mean, had it checked out. And um, oral surgeon, a dermatologist, one of those, he had it checked out and it was cancer. It was the beginning stages. And I never will forget that. So that had been five plus years of me working and still doing the extra oil exam. I didn't care if I had 30 minutes, 45 minutes, or an, or an hour. I always checked. Because you can tell when something is looking funky. You know? Well, and that, that's why I prefer the terminology oral abnormality yes. screening. You're right about that. You can't tell. By looking with the naked eye, what's going on on a cellular level? And we are not surgeons. We are not doctors. Yep. But we know when something's unusual, when it's abnormal. If it's a lump, a bump, a lesion of some sort, we know that. And to document it and note it and follow it, it may need to be followed for a couple of weeks. It may regress on its own. But right. it may not. And exactly. we have to follow up exactly. with those things too. Because how many times might you suggest to a patient that they go have that checked out? Mm-hmm. And uh, life happens. They get busy. They don't do it. Uh, the office never follows back up with them. And the next thing you know, it's been 10 months since you've seen them. And you're wondering what's going on with that patient. You look back and, gee. Their obituary was in the paper. Mm. So that that's the sort of thing you always have to follow up with them too, mm-hmm. just to make sure if they you can't make them do something about it, but at least express and document Absolutely. that you have followed up with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You never know when it's going to be something else, and that's not our place to discern that. Mm-hmm. But we can at least bring it to their attention. I, I love that that you mentioned also the fact that um, we're not 
we're, we're not providing a definitive diagnosis. So it really should be an abnormality screening. And, and I, I, you know, it's so hard to kick a whole old habit because we always say oral cancer screening, but it really is an abnormality screening. screening. But I, I really love that fact that you point out also about following up with the patient. Um, we have to, I just feel like when we think about the term think beyond the prophy, one of the things that people think of is, oh, you're just so concerned about um, getting out of the op and entrepreneurship and speaker and being a speaker. But thinking beyond the prophy is also being an excellent clinician and maintaining that standard of care. And we have to remember, even with all of the pressures that we face, what if that was your loved one sitting in the chair? How, what kind of treatment would you want to provide for them? Exactly. And if it was your loved one and the reason that they went, their diagnosis was delayed for so long, which has scientifically the data all shows that that results in lower desirable outcomes for those patients. But the delayed diagnosis, because you didn't see the value in it and you didn't have time that day, mm-hmm. you were in a hurry to check your Facebook status or something, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that think how you would feel with that. Absolutely. So we need to be looking at each of our patients as we would a member of our family. Exactly. Exactly. So what a powerful, powerful thing to, to keep in mind. Um, and hygienists, we, we understand we're hygienists ourselves. We understand how how difficult it is. We have to remember to always elevate our profession. We're more than just two scrapers. We have the ability to make a difference and save a life. And if you feel that um, you're at the point in your clinical career where you've had enough, then that's your sign that perhaps you do need to create your next your next role or um, finding ways to liven up your passion in some way by reaching the community. And you can do that by speaking as Chris is or blogging. I started off just blogging. Um, and I did a blog before, you know, once when my kids were first born, that's how I kept myself busy. But then when I was ready to branch out and do more with my career, I did, I started a blog and it's free. It's just your time and your content. And I love the fact that you are focused on that passion and you're making a difference in that, in that community, Chris. Well, and I think attending the different conferences and mm-hmm. such is a big part of that as well. The it, I come back from things like RDH under one roof and feel revitalized and energized about my profession and my career and seeing what other people have accomplished and the support that you get from others that attend. And it really does make a difference because you can. You get up, you go to work, you go into the office, and you go home, and you do the same thing the next day. That does wear you down. Mm-hmm. And we need to keep having things uh, into our journey that will elevate us and sustain us, enlighten us, motivate us to keep going. Absolutely. Absolutely. So one of the topics I do want to point on just really quickly um, is dealing with self-doubt. 
Uh, so just in your experience, what advice would you give to a hygienist that is that wants to branch out to do more, especially with a population that they're passionate about, but they are dealing with fear or they're dealing with self-doubt? Everyone is going to experience that. I think that is just human nature. The most important thing would be not to give in to it. You're going to doubt yourself. We are our own worst critics. But if we surround ourselves with like-minded people that will encourage us and build us up, I think that's very critical. Uh, if you can get rid of the negative aspects that surround you that may be feeding that self-doubt. But self-doubt is normal. And a lot of ways it can be very good because it helps you constantly reevaluate what you're doing and, and all. But with the why is there, if you know the why and your mm -hmm. passion, that is going to feed you. And that is what will keep you going even through those periods of self-doubt. All right. So I have two final questions for you. Um, what was the last book that you read? I tend to go more for fluff uh, <laughs> with traveling because the, the time and waiting in airports and on the plane itself – put on my headphones and mm -hmm. it's a historical romance with time travel oh, in it. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it like I said, it's the fluff. I, I get enough of the scientific and research and clinical aspects and stuff in my, you know, day to day things that I take that time to just veg out. <laughs> exactly. Well, mine is all like personal and professional development, but I used to do a lot of the romance and stuff. Maybe I'll get back into that, you know, in a couple of years. <laughs> I don't see it changing right now. Um, okay. So the last, the, my last question to you is what was the best advice you've ever been given in your career? I, I think the, the, you can do it mm -hmm. to negate the self-doubt mm -hmm. and to know that that's normal that even the people that maybe we hold in the highest esteem it were once there and mm -hmm. experienced that and some still do mm -hmm. to some extent mm -hmm. they've just learned how to cope with it and deal with it but that it's normal yes Oh, I love it. I love it. And we're human. We're all human. Once you connect yes. with, once you connect, even with those who you may see um, as an influencer in our industry, once you connect with them, you realize we're all human. We all yes. deal with those self-doubts. We all have had our different struggles, but we've persevered and we've kept pushing through. I just and love you that. you can do it. Yes. You can do it. You can do it. I love it. Well, Chris, um, this concludes our show today, but I do want you to share how people can get contact in contact with you, um, what your website is, and just let the listeners know what topics you speak about also. The website is chrispoxrdh.com. Chris is A K R I S. P is in Peter, O-T-T-S, R-D-H.com. The 
there are is a list of topics on the website. I speak on the preventive prehabilitation, on oral abnormalities, on dry mouth, and on Canberra uh, carries management protocols. That's awesome. And all things that just to, to little tips and tools and products that will help a clinician something that they can take back Monday mm-hmm. or the next day and implement with their patients and help to make that difference. Awesome. Well, thank you again for being on the show. I really appreciate you taking the time and I can't wait to share your episode with everyone. Well, I appreciate the opportunity, Jasmine, because getting the word out and knowing that there are things that we can do and to help other hygienists know that there is a life beyond the profi and out of the op that Mm -hmm. they can pursue. It doesn't negate your education, your experience, the years you've put in. You can take that and build on it. Absolutely. All right. Well, you have a wonderful day and I thank you again. Thank you, Jasmine. You have a great week too. 